This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Now, Whole Hog Sports' own Matt Jones is going to join us and uh, talk a little Razorbacks with us today. Matt, what's up, man? Hey Matt, how are you? Doing good. Got your got your boy Clay Henry on with us today. Uh, how are things, man? Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and all. Yeah, we're good. We uh, actually we kind of have like a little four Christmas thing that we do uh, with all the families that we have to go do Christmas with. So we did something with uh, my wife, one of my wife's side of the family last night. We got more coming up, but uh, yeah, yeah, we're excited to, to get to Christmas. Underrated Christmas movie right there. That's uh, that four Christmas movie. Uh, you get Tim McGraw in there, uh, Robert Duvall, Vince Vaughn. That's a, that's a good one. Hey, man, uh, what what are your thoughts so far on this signing day uh, and, and how this Arkansas Razorback football class is shaping up? Well, I wrote something about it yesterday. You know, I think that with Arkansas right now, their success is going to be really dependent on the, the, the transfers. And I, you know, I, I think they've got to get older players in to get things turned around, and, and they got to get a lot of older players in. And yeah, you know, it's it's hard to say uh, about this transfer class. You know, obviously there's not that just huge fish. I think that they've gotten so far transfer wise. Uh, Taylor Green, probably the, the biggest name, the quarterback from Boise State. He's kind of up and down this year. Ended it with a big game in the Mountain West Championship game. They got a kicker from Hawaii. But I think it's really good. I wrote something about him earlier this week. He had one of the most unforgettable plays, I think, of the football season that a lot of people probably never saw. It was the last play of the regular season. They're playing in Honolulu. And so it's like 9.30 in Honolulu. It's 1.30 in the morning here. Uh, and they've got a fire drill field goal where he runs from the opposite side of the field, probably runs about 60 yards to set up and – Kicks a 51-yard field goal as time expires. It was an incredible play. He was Rosa Award semifinalist. Uh, I think they may have gotten something there with him that that may be a little bit flying under the radar right now. And then you know these players that come from Tennessee and Georgia. We'll see what happens. I don't think any of them had you know great careers uh, previously at those schools. But you know neither did Drew Sanders at Alabama. Neither did Landon Jackson at LSU. And sometimes I think that when you come from a good program, you learn habits and traits at those programs that you're able to bring into a new environment, new diff, you know, different ways of coaching, and bring certain things out of you. And so I'm interested to see if that happens with, with some of those players, and, and we'll see what happens with these offensive linemen that they brought in. But to me, the transfers are, it's not to diminish in any way the, the importance of high school recruiting, because I, I think that's still important. But, man, when you come up with 1-8 season, I, I just think you got to get a lot of transfers in, because those are going to be the players that play for you right away for the most part. And, I think they've got to do a really good job in the transfer market, and I think they've got about eight scholarships left that they can use on transfers either here in the early period or in the spring. And so I'm really interested to see how that shakes out. Matt, I was kind of going over it with a friend of mine. The high school players in Isaiah Agustavi is, was terrific. I mean, he, he was everything you'd want as a freshman, but you're just not going to depend on him for half the season. It's you're going to mm-hmm. roll him along, roll, and that's what some of these guys are going to do next year. But they had to, they had to get offensive linemen, and so far I guess they've gotten three in the, in the portal. All three of those need to play, and I suspect they can, but it's, um, you know, how do you evaluate offensive linemen and how they're going to fit in your system? It's it's still 
you know, that's up in the air. Uh, do you have a feel for the, you know, the any of the high school players that might could help right away? Maybe the running back from Benton. Um, yeah, he, he, he's the first one that comes to mind, Braylon Russell from Benton. I think he's like six foot one, two hundred and forty pounds. And you look at his, uh, you know, his offer list, Clay. It, it, it's pretty impressive. Uh, I can't remember exactly what all schools are on there, but I remember looking at it during the season and thinking, wow, you know, Arkansas is beating out some teams here to to, to get this this kid and keep him in state. And Yuri Pittman talked yesterday about Russell. He said that he and Petrino think that he looks like he can come in and play right away. And so that's the one that comes to my mind. I think Charleston Collins, if you believe the recruiting rankings, I think he's a top 100 player nationally, a defensive lineman from Little Rock Mills. I think he's probably got a chance to play. I think Bethel Roman, the receiver from Texas, I think he's probably got a chance to come in and play. I wouldn't be surprised if either of these cornerbacks are coming in from Texas. Uh, one of their names is Casey right now. I know Jaden Allen is from Alito. Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe if those guys were able to come in and, and get some steps. Not necessarily start, but you know, you got to have players who are, are going to play fast as starters. And so, those are some names. You know, I mean, in terms of four-star players, that's the highest-rated players that Arkansas got. They got five four-stars. I mentioned four of them just then. Uh, the two from Arkansas, two from Texas. The other one's KJ Jackson, a quarterback from Alabama. We'll see what happens with him, but it would surprise me if. He was able to come in and play over Criswell or uh, over Green, the, the transfer from Boise. I watched all those guys on the huddle. Um, and Collins, what you saw, and he's got that big frame. You know, he's he's not he's not overweight by any stretch. I mean, he's 270 and still looks like he can, you know, maybe pick up 30, 40 pounds. But mm-hmm. you saw his speed and acceleration, so that that's what makes him a four-star. 6'4", 270, can run like a deer. Um and um, then I saw Wyatt Simmons, and I, you know, it's hard to tell on Simmons because of the classification. Uh-huh. But you saw closing speed and acceleration and playmaking, and uh, you know, typical linebacker. And you got that six-four frame, and just uh, you know, he looked like Drew Sanders, except I just couldn't decide, you know, who he was playing against. I talked to Jeb Huckabee about him. You know, Jeb obviously has got ties over there in Cersei. Yep. I think Jeb likes him a lot. He's interested to see how he plays. And, you know, the thing with, uh, with Simmons is his dad. I mean, he comes, I mean, obviously his dad is kind of the, uh, the talk of the town right now with what he did at Harding U and then winning the national championship. But I think coming out of that environment, I think to maybe make him be a little bit of a diamond in the rough. We'll see. But I'm kind of like, you know, and that's the hard thing with kids from Arkansas a lot of times is, yeah, they're great players, but they're not playing against competition in 3A, 4A, uh, even in 5-8, that they're going to see in the SEC. And, and so it's always a big learning curve for them. Yeah, Matt, I uh, really wanted to talk to you, and you really uh, clued in on baseball. And, and then the, the perfect dovetail is that you do play-by-play on the Internet for Fayetteville High games, and you've seen uh, Austin Ledbetter, and you've seen him play baseball. And, you know, the word out there now is that he's going to give it a try, you know, uh, I guess they won what three straight state championships at Bryan, yes. and you you covered some of those games with Fayetteville. Am I saying that right? Yeah, so I think Bryant and Fayetteville played three times over two seasons. Uh, his sophomore and junior year, they did not play his senior year. When, from all indications, he was really really good. He won the Atlanders Award his senior year as the the best player in the state. But yeah, I saw him play three times up close. In fact, I think one of the games against Fayetteville. 
they had a senior starter who, I don't know what happened, maybe he got hurt. Uh, I'm thinking maybe he did get hurt, and Austin stepped in as a sophomore and just led that team, and that was their first state championship season. And obviously they ended up winning five in a row. They won all three years that Austin played there. Yeah, I think he's uh, – I'll be interested to see how it goes. Uh, obviously he's older. He's been in a program uh, with Dave Van Horn where you have to be mature to, to stick around in that program. And so I think if nothing else, he's going to bring some maturity to the quarterback room and, and maybe some leadership skills uh, you know, that, that help. I mean, those are kind of some undervalued things, I think, maybe among the fans. But if you talk to coaches, they'll tell you that those are traits and characteristics that they just love to have in their building. Uh, in terms of you know what kind of player he was, uh, like I said, he won the state player of the year his senior year. Uh, I don't remember him having just an exceptional arm. But I wonder if it's stronger now after he spent a couple of years in a strength program that was focused on uh, pitching, you know, on arm strength. And so I'd, I'd be interested to see that this spring whenever he gets out on the, the football field. The thing that I remember about him, though, was that he just always seemed to make the plays. You know, if it's a, a third and three, you know he's going to make the play, whether it be with his feet or with his arm. He wasn't a great runner, but he could move a little bit. Um, and he didn't make a lot of mistakes. He didn't turn the ball over a lot. And that was something that, that always stuck out to me, too. He was surrounded at Bryant by really good players. I remember them having big, speedy running backs. I remember having a big offensive line. It always felt like when you would see Bryant, you were going to see the biggest offensive line you'd seen that year. And so he was surrounded by good players. And, you know, he just he didn't mess it up, you know. And, and so he was, he was a really good player at that level. Uh, I don't know that he'll ever play in a game in Arkansas. We'll see. He's going to walk on. But... Now, maybe he surprises some people. There were teams that wanted him out of high school to play football, and I think they were scared away from offering him a scholarship because he was so dead set on playing baseball in Arkansas. His first cousins are DJ and Blake Baxendale, and obviously they played for the Razorbacks, and he grew up coming up and watching them pitch at bomb and watching Blake play at bomb, and you know, he wanted to do that too, and he wanted to be a Razorback. And so he told me that Mississippi State recruited him pretty hard in high school and Louisiana Tech offered it, or didn't offer him, but they recruited him. And Arkansas State recruited him, and there were others. I think he said even LSU had shown him some interest at one point in time. So there's some talent there. He hasn't played football in three years, close to four years now. We'll see you know, how he looks once he gets out there in the spring. I'm sure there'll be an acclimation process for him. Uh, but it's kind of a cool story to see him go from baseball, and, and we'll see what he can do in football because he was a really, really good high school football player. Who would you compare him to, Matt? And I watched a little huddle. You sent me the huddle, and he distributed the ball, facilitates. I mean, it's like a point guard playing quarterback, and he always knew where to take the ball. But who who would you liken him to? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I think maybe size-wise he reminds me maybe a little bit of a Tyler Wilson, uh, just you know, just the look of him in the pocket, maybe a little bit shorter than Tyler was. Uh, I'm not comparing him as a, as a quarterback to Tyler. Uh, you know, it's, it's really hard for me to say who I would compare him to. I just know that he was a really good high school football player. I know Winner. Clark James liked him a lot. I mean, I, I think that if you ask the people in Bryant, you know, they would they would maybe tell you that they don't have that championship culture without Austin and some of those players yeah. who came through with him. He, he was well, he was a big piece to that five time state champion run that they had. Yeah, and then, and then he played for Buck James, who is just a tough minded old school coach yeah. that you know that hey he he. You know, like a Petrino would grind on you, and uh, you know it was his way or the highway. So he, 
And, you know, he played for Dave Van Horn, who's, who's tough-minded, too. So he he's not going to be intimidated by what he finds uh, on the football side of it with Petrino. Or, uh, that, that's my feeling, anyway. I, I think you're right. And I think Bobby coming back to the offensive coordinator probably plays a factor in him wanting to go. I mean, you think about Austin. He would have come up as a Razorback fan. Again, he's coming to bomb to watch DJ and Blake pitch at the same time that Bobby's coaching the football team or, you know, very similar time frame. And I think he, I know that Austin wants to get into coaching after college. And so now he's been coached by Van Horn and Matt Hobbs. He's got a very good, uh, you know, pedigree in, 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 in baseball terms. But going and learning from Bobby Petrino and potentially being able to take that into his coaching career, I know is a big uh, consideration in this for Austin. He, he told me that when I talked to him this morning. Well, Matt, uh, I appreciate your time, and, and I knew this was going to fit perfectly in in your strengths, which are many. Uh, you know, the baseball, and then you know that you would see you'd seen Austin. And one last thing, Drake Lindsey, give me a feel for him. Well, Fayetteville High well, quarterback. You know, what kind of quarterback yeah. is Minnesota getting with that kid? Well, I have tried to talk myself out of saying this several times, but I can't think of it. Let me preface this with I'm a little bit biased because I've seen him play every game. And uh, my what I see is limited a lot to Fayetteville and his Eagles plan. But I can't think of a quarterback in Arkansas that I have seen has had, that has a better arm than Drake. The number of times that we saw him throw it 40, 50, 55 yards downfield and the receiver never had to break stride, I can't count the number of times we saw it. It seemed like maybe we'd see it once a game. And it, it wasn't always just a 50-yard pass either. It might be, I think about a play in the state championship game a few weeks ago. It's a two-point conversion. Uh, they had just scored the, the go-ahead points with about seven and a half minutes left. And they go for two to go up by six. The ball's on the left hash mark. The play, the primary receiver, is on the opposite side of the field, on the right side. And so Drake takes the snap, doesn't really step back, just kind of throws a fade pass to the back right corner of the end zone from the left hash mark. It's probably a 30, 35-yard throw, six, seven yards deep into the end zone, and it's right there where his receiver can catch it, over two defensive backs. And the number of times that we saw those types of throws, the left hash mark to the right side of the field or vice versa, I can't count the number of times that we did. And so I think he's really good. I think he's really underrated. I think the fact that he uh, committed to Minnesota when he did, they have kept him from getting other offers down the road because he was he was very firm, I think, in his commitment. Uh, to Minnesota. Yeah, that's the way that family is. Yeah. Well, Once you say something, that's, that's what you're going to yeah. do. That's right. I think that's absolutely right. But you guys know who he's surrounded by. He's got a lot of people in his family who played college football. His granddad played pro football. Casey Dick is his head coach at Fayetteville, obviously played college football for the Razorbacks. And so he's surrounded by a really good support group. And I think that they did a great job in his recruitment of being very intentional about looking at the types of offenses of the teams that we're going to recruit. How do you fit? He's not an RPO. He's not an RPO quarterback. He got a little bit better as a runner his senior year, uh, but he's not an RPO quarterback. He is a quarterback. He is a, I look at him and I think of a Big Ten style quarterback. The drop back, play action in the pocket. Yes, yeah, so Mallet, uh, right? Those types of quarterbacks. He, he reminds me a lot of Mallet. He really does. Yeah. And Ryan yeah. went to Michigan well. his freshman year. Uh, with big arm, I think I think that he could potentially do a lot of good things for Minnesota. We'll see. I'm, I'm really excited to see how that works out for him because I think he's got a potential to go there and play.
Ring in the new year in style at the Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas. They have something for everyone. The grand New Year's Eve buffet is served in the Venetian dining room. The festival party with live music by the Parker Francis Band, cash bars, and a champagne toast. And the 99th New Year's Eve gala features live music from Stardust Big Band, a five-course gourmet dinner with wine and more. Room packages are available. Go to arlingtonhotel.com forward slash NYE2023 or call 501-623-7771. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey & Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey & Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey & Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now back to the podcast. For cool, uh, Matt Jones to come by. Uh, I'm a, Clay, I, I was going to go, I'm going to continue just talking up these players going down the list. Uh, I, I see on, on the guys that signed, we get eight left. I, I, I'll get your thoughts after this. Uh, where else do we need to go uh, with these eight scholarships? What do you want to see them do? Uh, but just, just going down the list, congratulating all these guys. We got a tight end uh, named Andreas Pasquet. Pasquet, he's signed. So he, he's, he's a transfer from Eastern Michigan. He's a three-star transfer coming in. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to, to see how that tight end room is going to going to be this year with the emergence of Washington uh, and then our stud who I think I don't know Clay if he was a freshman All-American but I thought he he had the talent to be a freshman All-American if he would have stayed healthy in in number nine yeah I think you're right you're right and um, I I would uh, this this is uh, this is an interesting time and that uh, you know Matt was talking about you know the, the guys in the transfer portal and um we're not going to get fined today. Phil's not here. Phil, we, we up. Those are the rules. Yeah, we. Uh, you mean did I just get fined? No, 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 no. But Phil's Phil's the he's the, the teacher with his ruler that slaps you on the wrist. You know, whenever you come out here. So that's so the cat's away. The mice will play. That's, that's right. Uh, so the the tight end from Eastern Michigan, I believe, is from Denmark. Um, and Yelda Froholt knows him, and and he talked to him, advised him. You know, like you're going to be treated great at Arkansas. It's a good destination, and you know, as a big raw kid, you know, kind of like like Yelda Yelda was. Um, you know, got that size and, and uh, size. You know, big long guy, and I'm interested to see how he how it works out in. That tight end room is going to keep getting better and better. Luke Haas is going to be coming back from that collarbone surgery. You know, typical of a freshman thrown in against SEC players, the frame is doesn't have that muscle mass yet, mm-hmm. and that's what happens. Uh, you know, he and I don't think it was a hit. I think he landed on the field, and that that's what did it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm. I think that they probably going to pick up a couple more portal guys, another another offensive lineman, you know, and you know it's like I like some of the the offensive line signees, the high school kids, but they just you just can't put a high school. Sean Andrews, uh, it's kind of like John Pelfrey said, Sidney Moncrief's not walking back through that right, room, right. and and Sidney wasn't great as a true freshman, 
it's just that's a tough thing to do. But the only true freshman offensive lineman that I've seen dominate uh, as you know as a youngster was was Sean. He moved the pile. The first time they put him out there against Alabama as a true freshman, and he took uh, an all SEC defensive end and just kind of knocked mm-hmm. his, knocked mm-hmm. him back five yards, and you're like. Ooh, you can run right there. <laughs> it's just what, uh, so I, I don't think these high school offensive linemen are going to make an impact. You, you got to bring portal guys to do that. Uh, and, but it, Clay, if you're a high school lineman, to me, when, when, if I'm a true freshman and, and, and I get up to the, there on the hill and you're bringing in a guy that's a junior that only has two years left, that's what I want. That's exact, cause that gives me two college off seasons. It gives me somebody to learn behind. It gives me time to get my body ready by the time I'm a red shirt sophomore, then I get to be a three year starter. Yeah. So I, I don't cast away just because what you just said, I do not cast away, uh, Patrick Kudis, Marion Harris, those guys, uh, they'll be better. They, they're useful and they're gonna they're gonna continue to to get better gosh you know when uh, when I really got into covering big time college football it was like 78 79 and I remember going to Nebraska and they were five deep on the offensive line and you didn't play there until you were a fourth year junior mm-hmm. fourth year junior mm-hmm. you know they redshirted them all as freshmen and then they put them on, you know, what they called their B team, and they had a separate practice field. And then they brought him along. And then you would sit down with Tom Osborne. And he says, "Well, this guy here, he hasn't played. He's been here. This is his fourth year. We haven't put him on the field yet, but he's going to be an All-American." Well, you know, they they knew that he had done it all in practice, and they gradually worked on him in the weight room. You know, and they they all looked like refrigerators, and that's what they called them. Uh, I remember getting crude Clay. Clay. Uh, we we had a guy at at Van Buren, Michael Boston, and 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 Kenny Sandlin, and Kenny Sandlin ended up yep. going to the University of Arkansas. Uh, but the, you know they were seniors. I was I was uh, when, when I was like in seventh eighth grade, and but them being recruited and one of the big selling points is your point that 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 nebraska weight room was first they were one of the first to be just like absolutely first class with that strength and conditioning program. The I've. I've never been more impressed as a 23-year-old reporter. Uh, it was We got to go to every Big 8 school one day at a time in August. They called it the Big 8 Skywriters Tour. And we got to Nebraska. Uh, one of the older writers says, hey, you got we, we kind of broke away from the group, and he took me into the Nebraska weight room. And it was under the, the West Stands. It was 120 yards long. It was 50 yards wide. Mm-hmm. That was the weight room <laughs> because they needed, you know, they had 140, 150 players, and they they needed a, where they could all work out together. I've never seen so many free weights in my life. You know, it was just, uh, I mean, it looked like an Olympic training facility. And but they they were the first really to do that in in a big way, and everybody else kind of followed along. But my point is that don't don't what you saw from Patrick Kudis and when Marion Harris played a little bit. These guys are they, they're not they're not done. They they struggled last year, uh, and, and uh, you know I, I think that I think they, they like- knew they knew they weren't going to go out and, and, and kick butt. 
but that was what they had, and they made a decision to play those guys, and hopefully, you know, that they would grow during the season. And I think they did. But they they've got they've got more room. They've got their frames are going to hold more weight. They're going to be 320, 330 guys, and they'll be different players as a 22-year-old. Yeah, I think of a guy like a Bo Lacey who came from Newport that ended up being a, a stud great, for us. But great it, it point. Just, it took him a couple years, and, and those linemen, uh, you see it. And, and let's let's get one more lineman before we hit this next break. We got um, Fernando Carmona. He, he signed from Han, uh, San Jose State. He's, he's a three-star, number seven OT guy. Uh, one of the highest graded linemen in the nation, it said, for 2020. Now, I know it's San Jose State, but don't you think, Clay, to this point you brought up in the very first segment of the show, watching his highlights at San Diego State and then watching a, you know, a senior in high school, watching their highlights on Huddle, you get a better idea if this guy can play or not. Yeah, I think that that was probably the get of those guys. And, and you know, I think he has a chance to play on the edge, which makes it really important. Uh I know there was a lot of, uh, you know, when UCLA and BYU and, you know, there were some others that, you know, that were in the mix and offered, uh, there was a lot of interest in this guy. And, and uh, I think that they, they are as excited about him as anybody on this list of 24. Hey, Christian, you got an update on uh, did the Ladyback game end already? We have a final West Palm Beach Classic, the ladies 66 UIC 58. Illinois Chicago got the win. Talia Scott, she had a 26 point performance. Ooh, so they're 3 and 0 in Florida. Um, Maybe they we need to go Florida back to the State. bubble. The, hey, yeah. I mean, they they like the Sunshine State. We everybody likes the Sunshine State. So it, not a surprise that they had a good trip. Man, that's that's I like that for Coach Neighbors. I always like him, and I think he does a, a a great job with those ladies. And you know, Clay, when when you get a chance to play, you get an opportunity. You want to go out there and compete, and you want to win, and that's what the ladies did. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. Your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Before Christmas, uh, we get OG Bob Holt joining us today. Bob, man, how's it? How's it going? How, how, how are the cats doing? What, what's holidays like for for Bob Holt this year? Well, um, no bowl game, so that means a little extra time off. Going to go visit some family here. Uh, in a couple of days, you know, got a, a nice break between basketball games. So just just uh, got my gift cards bought. I don't go uh, 
buy everybody fancy stuff. I just say everybody likes gift cards. They can do buy whatever they want to. So that's that, that, that's my advice to holiday shoppers. Shoppers, it's pretty stress free too. Smart. That's smart. Um, what I want to get your thoughts on a couple different things today. Uh, I, I, I want to start with uh, signing day being yesterday. And uh, do you think that uh, the Hog fans or you in, in particularly, do, you know, don't want to overact too much? It is just signing players. Uh, you know, it's, it's not game. And and then sometimes does it feel like we we kind of get loud or get upset about the guys we miss uh, in, instead of just worrying about the guys that want to be Razorbacks? Well, yeah, it was a pretty, I mean, based on all the uh, Power 5 setting, it was a, it was a pretty, it looks like it was a pretty good year in Arkansas. Um, and, you know, Arkansas obviously didn't get all the in-state guys it offered, but, I mean, that's just uh, the way of the world these days. And then Arkansas got some guys from out of state that, that some big schools in, in, in those states wanted. So, um I know that they do the rankings, and I've seen Arkansas rank. You know, it's kind of the story being in the SEC. Arkansas is probably the top thirty nationally, but maybe with the expanded sixteen SEC, maybe thirteenth or fourteenth in the league. That's just the way it goes. But um, you know, things have changed a lot with the portal too. I mean, you look at the high school guys; some they're counting on to help immediately. Some need time to develop. But I feel like Arkansas has done pretty well in the portal and, and isn't through there yet. But they had some offensive line in the portal, which I think was was essential. They looks like they got a really good kicker from Hawaii uh, when Cam with uh, Cam Lowe deciding to put his name in the draft. So um, it used to be you'd say, well, we'll evaluate a recruiting class in three or four years. Well, now with the portal, you almost have to do it that next year because you're looking for immediate help kind of replace the junior colleges, although they, every once in a while you see some, some Juco guys get signed. But um, on paper, I think Arkansas had a pretty solid class, but in the SEC, everybody can probably feel that way too. I, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on one guy that's going to play in the if, – if you've seen him, he's going to play in the All-American game, but that's Charleston Collins, uh, a Little Rock a Mills, and, and he's a D lineman, and I'm hearing good things about him. Uh, is he one of your guys that's on, on maybe a guy that maybe can step up next year? Or who do you like? Who, who's maybe somebody you think that could help out next year? You know, I've not seen him play personally. I, I know Richard Davenport, a recruiting guy, does an awesome job. And if, if, hopefully people have checked out the, the paper today. But Richard's all over the place in there with stories and did an incredible job putting together a, a graphic on all the signees with just an incredible amount of detail. But yeah, I know Collins. I mean, everything I've read about him, he, he was rated the top uh, recruit in the state. A lot of big time schools wanted him, and uh, it's like you know, Sam Pittman didn't sugarcoat yesterday. When you when you're four and eight, it, it affects you know recruiting. You're probably going to lose some guys because of that. But uh, he stuck with them, and um, sounds like he can play inside or out, and or tackle. And uh, I don't know that he'd start or anything like that because they do have some good veteran linemen, but. Um, he sounds like a guy that's probably going to play. They, they they talked about Braylon Russell, the running back uh, from Benton. Uh, Sam said he and Bobby Petrino watched film of him, and and uh, you know Bobby Petrino feels like like he can help right away. And that's a position where they need some depth because you know they've lost some guys to the transfer portal. And uh, so I guess those two guys jumped, jumped out at me as, as in-state guys that were really good gets for him. 
Right on. Let's let's uh let's move over to some basketball, Bob. We get uh the the basketball hogs kind of kind of up and down a little bit this year, but it's early. And and you know the people's talking saying, well, this this team it's it's not March yet, so we don't have to worry about if they're ready for March because we're in December. But but we do know that we have to get better in a couple areas, and and we kind of got to get an identity. We, we we this team doesn't have really an identity yet, and and some of our losses, Bob, they're they're to some good teams. Uh, going into tonight. What is something you that you hope you see a spark, or you hope that you see that we do better tonight? Well, they've had a lot of practice time this week. You know, they, Eric Musman said they went two a days. Now these aren't two a days where he's running into the ground. They're practicing, you know, six hours a day or something. Eric compared it. Of course, Eric Musman's a former NBA head coach, and he compared it to sort of an NBA training camp that they they went two a days, focused on defense. I think it was defense in the morning and then offense in the afternoon. Said they went about 90 minutes. I think yesterday said they were going to, you know, have a morning practice and then just do like shoot for 30 minutes. Uh, he obviously wants their legs, you know, ready for tonight. But I guess I'd like to see the defense improve. And I mean, the the dribble drive penetration has been a problem all year. It was a problem against Lipscomb. And you figure if they're struggling with Lipscomb, they're going to struggle with SEC teams. And so I think they definitely have the personnel, you know, the talent to get that shored up and. So that's something I'm sure has been an emphasis in practice this week, last week, probably going back to, you know, October. And uh, that's something they've got to get shored up. And if they do that, I think that's probably going to lead to some more turnovers, which will lead to some runouts and some easy baskets, getting fouled. They need to get to the free throw line. They only had eight free throws the other night against uh, Lipscomb. And they're averaging, I think, about 26 attempts. And, and Abilene Christian, the team they're playing, goes to the line a lot too so that'll be a big thing to watch is who, who gets to the line more and um, I'm looking to see uh, Caleb Battle who's been a really consistent score for him most of the year but he's 3 for 15 the last two games only played about 11 minutes the last game and uh, he's a guy that usually is really good at getting to the free throw line I think he averages about 8 free throw attempts didn't get to the line the other night but didn't get to play a lot either so I'm L. Ellis, the guy who's had some big games for him, only played 57 seconds the other night. So I think they really need those two guys to play well to have a good season. And so I'm I'm, uh, I'm uh, interested in particular in seeing how those two guys bounce back from you know not getting to play a lot. And then this is going to be the second game for Ken Menefield. They're, they're new point guards, kind of like getting a guy in the draft or signing a free agent or something. Uh, he missed the first 10 games because he was waiting for a waiver to get eligible and Eric played him 19 minutes, which is a lot in a close game for a guy's first game out. And uh, I'm looking to see what he can add to him. You know, it, get, get, you know, kind of getting his legs under him again for a game in the second game for him. Yeah, you, you bring that up, Bob, and that's that's a tough. I think that's tough on players be, be, being a former player and and uh, and I know Coach Must ha, has a formula. He has a reason behind what why why he does what he does. But going out there and starting a game. Uh, playing two minutes and then not getting back out there on the floor is there you know is there something because to, in my mind as as a fan just watching I'm like well why'd the kids start you know what what but is he trying to teach a lesson or is he trying to see how he like holds his head head up or does he hold his head down and pout uh, is he a good teammate is he cheering him on you know is that something he's just trying to read body language on well, yeah, I assume you're probably talking about Joseph Pinion. He started. Well, he's uh, done it a couple times too. About five, to, yeah. you know, L. Ellis has done it a couple yeah. times. He's done it a, a few. It's uh, you know, Makai Mitchell's done it. He played four minutes and doesn't get back in. He's done it a couple times to a couple different players. And I just wonder if that's kind of what he's, 
You know, I not that I know, but if that's what he's kind of thinking. Well, I I don't necessarily know either. I think sometimes a guy does something he doesn't like, whether it's you know give up an open three or take an ill-advised shot or you know that you know doesn't rebound. Um, you know, Jalen Graham who was having a really good game offensively the other night. He had a turnover and got taken out, and he didn't get back in. He only played, I think, just under 15 minutes, but he had 11 points. And I think they could have used him in that run when Lipscomb was, you know, on that 17-0 run, 21-2 to run, whichever run you want to pick. But, um, yeah, he's still trying to figure out the rotations, and he has talked about body language. Like if a guy has what he considers bad, he wasn't playing and, and – uh, has bad body language or seems to be pouting. That's not a way to get on the court. Mm-mm. He used Trey Wade as an example from a couple of years ago. You know, Trey wasn't playing much at all. And then they were in that, I think, one for five stretch in the SEC, and he decided to start Trey. And, uh, you know, Trey was more of a lockdown defender guy. He did have some good offensive games, particularly against Missouri, and he came up big for him when they beat Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament. But he talks about what good body language Trey had when he wasn't playing much and in some games not playing at all and how he, you know, he saw a guy that, you know, was motivated and eager to get out there and play. So I'm sure it's not easy for players, especially when they used to playing a lot to maybe get sat down or um, have inconsistent playing time. And, and maybe they're confused about what's going on, but you know, it's weird that this late in the season, and really we're a third of the way through, right? With 11 games, he's still trying to figure out the rotation, played 13 guys the other night. Now, some of those were very brief. I think it was 10 of them played seven or more minutes, but they, they need to get the, the rotation figured out. But he's he's giving guys chances. You can't say he's not giving you know, a lot of guys chances. But, yeah, sometimes uh, the substitution patterns can be confusing to me anyway, but I'm sure there's a, there's a method to the madness. And I would just say if you look at Eric Musselman's track record, you know, he knows what he's doing. Bob, this Clay um... – when you, I stayed up a little bit last night and watched some Alabama, Arizona, and I watched Alabama, Creighton. You know, Alabama's six and five, but they look like they might be a pretty decent team. What What do you think about the SEC in the kind of the power of the conference right now? As we, like we said, a third of the way through the season. Oh uh, yeah, well, it was a great night on ESPN. It was, I think, Baylor Duke. And then it was North Carolina, Oklahoma, and then it was capped off by Arizona and Alabama. And Alabama, you're right, they played a really tough schedule. They lost to Purdue up in Toronto, and they just lost to Arizona and Phoenix, and they lost to Creighton. I think I think that game was a Creighton. But uh, I don't know if the SEC, you know, from a ranking standpoint, is quite as strong as people thought because Arkansas was ranked number 14. Now they're not in the in the poll at all. You don't see them in the, in the NC tournament projections, but obviously you've got a whole conference season to play, but Ole Miss is, is, is undefeated. I think they're 11 and 0. They beat Memphis. Wow. That's a really good, because you look at who Memphis is beating, um, Memphis is beating some really good teams, including Arkansas. And so I think the SEC is probably going to be a seven, eight, uh, bid league. And Arkansas has got work to do to, to get in there, but yeah, I think, Tennessee's, I think, probably been the class of the league so far. They, they, uh, they lost at North Carolina. Had some rough losses in Hawaii, but I think t- Tennessee's really, really a good team. And uh, um, I think Alabama, before it's all said and done, will be in there. Auburn's, Auburn's having a really good season. Of course, that's Arkansas's SEC opener in Bud Walton Arena. That's going to be a tough opener, and that's going to be, you know, one of those 
we kind of talk about must wins. Tone setters. The opener, but yeah. that, that's a game yeah. Arkansas really needs to get because beating Auburn would really look good because Auburn's had some really good wins. They blasted USC. They blasted uh, Indiana in Atlanta. Um, I think, you know, they, they had a tough loss to Baylor, but I think Auburn's really good. Um, you know, if Ole Miss has kind of been a surprise, and maybe not because we know Chris Beard's an elite coach. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, if he had his issues at Texas, but he's done a really good job at Ole Miss. So I think uh, maybe the SEC doesn't have a bunch of top 10 teams, but I think they got a pretty good deep lead. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua Sound Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift, selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices. Now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dave and his team have all your holiday drink options. That includes Fireball, Ann Bailey's Chocolate, Jack Daniel's Crown Salted Caramel, Winter Seasonal Beers, Eggnogs, and more. Come by Eastside Liquor, 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. We're joined by one of our favorites, and that's OG Grant Hall. Grant, man, happy holidays, man. How's it going for you? Well, same to you guys, and uh, it, it seems like there's a lot going on this close to Christmas. You know, Arkansas's women won this morning again, uh, 6.58. You probably, I'm sure you know that. And uh, went to a couple of press conferences yesterday. Uh, one, to, you guys were talking about Drake Lindsay a little bit earlier. I uh, went to his, um, well, it, it wasn't, a, that, that was not a press conference. That was the signing as he's going to Minnesota. And uh, Big Jim was there in his Vikings per- nice, uh, paraphernalia. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, uh, John David and uh, Lindy and the whole family, a big uh, turnout from the school. You can see how popular he was, a lot of his teammates. Um, and I agree with everything Matt, the other Matt Jones said about uh, I only got to see him play twice this year, but uh, I was really impressed by him, especially his arm strength. And then, of course, uh, the. I got there just for about five minutes of Sam uh, Sam Pittman's presser and then all of Eric Mateos. And, Clay, I don't know if you got to see Mateos, but I, he, to me, was a real <laughs> a breath of fresh air coming in there. I, I liked a lot of things he said. Grant, uh, it's, I think it's, uh, he's, he's getting there at the right time. <laughs> I, mean, it's, uh, I think it's, yes. he, he's going to. He's going to have a, pull, a full complement, and I think you're going to see uh, a surge in offensive line play. I think he's a good coach, first of all. Um, and but the second part about it is, is the, you know, they've decided to go get players, and I think that's that's what's what I see happening, and he'll benefit from that. I like uh, that he he talked about athleticism plus the desire to hurt people, 
you don't hear a lot of coaches uh, say it that way, but he said, you know, he he wants to see, uh, you know, putting your face in their face. And he talked about, uh, I liked that he talked about some guys that maybe didn't get as much publicity that he still talks to, Austin Beck, uh, 2014-15, and Cordell Boyd, 13 through 15. I think it shows that he, he stays close to the guys he coaches or that he was around earlier at Arkansas. Um he uh, he talked about center being the tone setter uh, for the team, best brain in the room. <laughs> Got to be the first guy to run in the burning building, you know. I, Clay, you probably remember Gary Parson. I don't know. Well, he he was a long, long time ago. He played at Huntsville and he he played at Arkansas. I think in the late sixties. But he used to He's say six like ten, right? Yeah, he was, he was six. I think he was six nine and, and whatever back then. But he was bigger than everybody else. And he said center was the most important position on the team. This is when he was coaching, you know, and, and it, this, you, this might be a 0-0 junior high school game or something. But uh, I, 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 I kind of think quarterback is, but, you know, center is up there. Well, it it was uh, interesting. Dan Enos told me last last uh, summer that he was teaching uh, K.J. how to identify the mic, and I was like, you mean he just now learned it? He says, "Well, usually that's the center's job." And he says, "But since we're we're, we're playing with a new center, we decided just to let let KJ do it." But I mean, uh, that that kind of speaks on maybe one of the deficiencies of this team. You know, I think Stromberg was really good at that, and maybe Limmer wasn't, and, or or wasn't doing that. And that's usually something you take off the quarterback. The center is going to call the Mike linebacker, and that that yeah, doesn't and he, and he, sound he, like a whole lot, but. You understand, Grant? Yeah, and just the way he said, just the way he makes the call sometimes, and then, and then he admitted he said, "I'm biased because I played the position." And about that time, you know, they were wrapping up Eric after about ten or fifteen minutes, and Sam was sitting there behind me, and I, I kept hearing these belly laughs from him. And then he said, "I could have listened for another ten or fifteen minutes to this guy." So, I think that's going to be a good mesh for him. And uh, you know, the I mean, in fact, if you just look at the number yesterday and arkansas was what 27th or 28th or something like that and 14th out of 16 of the of the now 16 sec teams but i think they got a lot of guys they wanted and needed and and then you know sam talked about about seven more guys and he kind of you've probably talked about this today the positions that he still wants to uh fill because they've got i think it's 78 of 85 or six scholarships whatever the, the number is they've got they got some more room and so we're going to see some more names, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see uh, who, who they go get with with those with those seven or eight guys, uh, eight scholies left. And uh, Grant, we've had pretty big on the text line today. Uh, a lot of people wanting to know about Austin Ledbetter, uh, the baseball player, and and saying that he's going to go out for the football team. Uh, do you think he could be one of those guys to get one of those seven or eight scholarships? What 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 do you know about this kid? Well, uh, I know y'all talked about his baseball a little bit. It, it just here's what Sam said about that. He said we still need a linebacker, a cornerback, an edge rusher, an interior offensive line, uh, excuse me, defensive lineman, and then an offensive lineman um, and a running back and a wide receiver. So, uh, Clay, I, I have not seen him play football. Have you seen him? Either have you seen him play well, in high school? Uh, I did not see him play in high school per se. But I spent about 20 minutes today uh, looking at huddle film tape of his, you know, time at Bryant, 
And of course, right. we talked to to Matt Jones, um, who who saw him play three three games against Fayetteville High, two in one season. And then uh, I talked to Dudley Dawson this morning, who saw him play five games, and he said he always thought he was going to be, you know, a two way guy, play football and baseball. And I, I think that uh, you know it, the way it's worked out is they're they're so deep in the pitching that that he realizes now that. Uh, I, I'm gonna go play some football, and I I think part of it is he wants to learn more football because he's gonna be a coach, and spending time with Bobby Petrino has to help him, and you know his his future as a coach. So it may not be so much about playing as it is about you know learning more football and getting prepared for you know his his uh, calling, which is to coach. But but what I saw was that he was surrounded by really good players at Bryant. A uh, fantastic offensive line that dominated in the run game. They had running backs. And then he distributed the ball in short passing game and play action because they were so effective in running. I didn't see uh, any real instances where, you know, you could tell arm strength, but it was really short pinpoint passing uh, to tight ends and, and backs. Um, and, you know, there, there wasn't anything that, like, like what you've seen, I watched a little uh, Drake Lindsay tape, and that's completely different. That's the big arm, the mallet arm. Uh, but but I think that what you're going to see is a, probably a guy that can help him in the meeting room. He's uh, he's a leader. He he's never uh, done anything but excel in leadership roles, and that's probably where his his best assets going to be on the football field. You know, it's interesting, Clay. Arkansas, I think, took five players from Arkansas. I noticed that Arkansas State only took two uh, out of their group from this state, and then I think UCA uh, had ten or something. But, uh, you know, it's not always about uh, just – I mean, you're, you're going to take the number that's there that you think can help the football program, and I know that there's been a lot of talk about that. Uh, some coaches felt Arkansas should take ten to twelve every year, but you just might not have that many guys, and you know that could make a difference in the SEC football game. I just think that the number is going to vary, and and next year I've been told uh, by Richard Davenport and Dudley that the the number is going to be higher. There's going to be more D1 guys. There, there are already a bunch of guys have got offers from the, the the next year's class. But I I just remember talking to uh, to you know to Tim Horton and you know that. You're, you, uh, there's just gonna, it's just gonna vary from one year to the next. And Danny Ford told me that he thought the average for Arkansas was six. And, you know, then there was, and that, that was a long time ago. Yeah. That was a long yeah, time ago. And, yeah. uh, you know, you know, there's less people playing football now than there were then. You know, the, the rosters right. are just smaller. Uh, the, um, but it was the first year of the Bobby Petrino year and they took 17 in state kids. And, you know, that, that, but there were 17 that kind of fit. And as it turned out, that was a really good class. And a lot of those guys, those, those guys play. I, I look at the roster in the two deep and I don't see a lot of Arkansas guys on it. And this was not a good team. Uh, the last year, two years, six and six and four and eight. And I don't know whether it would have, uh, you know, changed if you took more you know, reach more for some, you know, three-star guys in Arkansas or not. It's That's always uh, the, you know, the dilemma. 
But then again, you know, I'll sit and talk with Harold Orton, and he'll say, look at these good Arkansas teams through the years, and they've got all these Arkansas players. But I think right. it's I think it's an anomaly. I think there's some – it's just cycles. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Barry, uh, Barry Lunny Sr. told me four or five years ago that Ar- Arkansas has always been a developmental program. In other words, you know, you take those Arkansas kids and by the third, fourth – but, you know, now everything is just so changed with uh, – Particularly with transfer portal and knowing that you got to go in there and and get seven or eight or whatever the number is each year of guys that you know have good experience and and so it, we're just in a different uh, realm right now. I, I don't know how much time we have, guys, but I wanted to mention quickly this basketball game. You know, I, I heard Eric uh, Monday night talk about that this was going to be a, a a pretty busy week of practice, and you may have seen that they've actually done two days. Uh, now they're practicing like 90 minutes at a time and then, you know, maybe doing five minutes film session after each one. And then I think yesterday it was only shooting in the afternoon, maybe, but you know that they, it's funny. Menifee was the, the guest and he said, this guy, he's never seen anything quite like that, especially during the season. And Eric, I, I totally agree with what you guys say about this team. It's, you know, the returns are still, uh, out on, on what it's going to be, but, there's one thing he knows that the you know the a lot of good hard work can't hurt you, and I think uh, you know I think by the by the time it, it matters they'll they'll be okay. Grant, I I know you're aware of this because I we used to all of Nolan's practices were open and you know you and I might be the two guys in the in the gym, but he'd have during the holidays he'd have three practices a day and yeah uh, and he. You know, I asked him, I said, well, how much are you getting out of it? And he says, well, my ambition is to make them so tired they don't go to Dixon Street during the break. I'm talking about the <laughs> Christmas break. So right. there you go. <laughs> yeah, all, all the way back to Eddie Sutton, we talked about those gut practices. He, he loved having a week off, you know, because that meant three hours in the gym every day. And it's funny, you know, Lou Holtz, I remember when Lou Holtz had three-a-day football practices uh, for a while. And now, the first one might be not too much in the morning, but... Same sort of thing, you know. <laughs> they wait too tired to, to do, do anything that. after the practice. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitbatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.